The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Come before your presence and we honor and we adore you today in the name of Jesus. We ask today, my Father, that you rain the heavens, O God of heaven, and, and breathe upon everyone in this place. Everyone join us over the internet. My Father, we ask that in every of our locations, Lord, that you do that which eyes have not seen, do that which ears have not heard, do that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. And let the name of Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So, this morning, as we are aware, we are starting a new series titled, No Small Dreams. No Small Dreams. And in, in God's family house, we have our values that define our culture. And one of, one of our values is, is that we value risk-taking. We value risk-taking. We believe, according to God's word, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So we, we say, like a mantra... No small dreams. In God's favorite house, NSD. So it's acronym NSD. So if you see someone say to you NSD, they are just trying to tell you no small dreams. No small dreams. And it's important that we realize that the core of our faith, the core of our work with God is a work of the supernatural where we take steps into places and things we have not seen and bring them to pass before we see them. Hebrews 11 verse 1, two openings. If you check, open our Bible to so Hebrews 11 1, the, and the word of God says that, now faith is being sure, being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In Genesis 15, in, in um, Genesis Fifteen, verse 5, it says, Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. And God was saying to Abraham, That is how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted, it to, counted him as righteous because of his faith. God said to Abraham, look at the stars and begin to count. He, he, of course, I mean, if, if you were still counting then, you would still be counting now. So God knows that Abraham has no way of physically counting and seeing all the stars. But God wanted Abraham to use his imagination. Everybody say imagination. To use his, the, the mind, the eyes of his mind, and see and dream of how big his generations will be. And God was saying to Abraham, in essence, Abraham, no small dreams. You are believing God for whatever area you are believing God for. God is saying to you today, no small dreams. I want you to look at the stars you are going to be this prosperous, Abraham. You are trusting God for the food of the womb. God is saying, no small dreams. You are trusting God for your finances. God is saying what? No small dreams. No small dreams. No small dreams. And I want you to do it at night tonight. Regardless of the area you are trusting God for. Step out of your house. And look at the stars and begin to count. Until your mind kicks in. Begin to count with, the, with the, your physical eyes until the eyes of your mind kicks in. 
God is saying to you, that is how great you are going to be. It's huge. It's huge. And when we talk about dreaming, I mean, not by the time you sleep and wake up, of course, that's a dream. But beyond that, you are talking about seeing with the eye of your mind and or the eye of your spirit. When we talk about dreaming, we are talking about seeing with the, with the inner eye. It could be the eye of your mind. Your imagination, it could be the eye of your spirit. But sometimes, God will use your physical eyes to provoke the eye of your mind to be opened. That was what God was doing for Abraham, Abraham here. God was saying to him, begin to see, begin to count, use your physical eyes. And that, boom, popped up his spiritual eyes. How do I know it, it popped open? Of course, because Abraham saw you and I. That is why we are here today. And we are heirs of Abraham. Abraham saw farther than his eyes could see. So your mind eyes has to be opened. I mean, I have a friend of mine, one of um, my um, very prophetic friends. This guy is unbelievably accurate. I mean, prophetically. He could come and meet you, shake your hands and say, why did you wear a blue shirt yesterday? So accurate. Unbel- Holy Spirit, not... You know? <laughs> before, how we met, I've shared this story before. He came into my room when the guest house was at the time on the project. And he, he came into, it was a friend of my friend. He came to see my friend. And he came into my room and he said to my friend, ah, Who stays in this place? There's so much power in this room. And I looked at him. You know, if someone's talking spiritually, step back and engage him spiritually. I looked at him and I'm like, who is this guy? You know, and I actually saw that this guy is actually, I mean, a prophet. Bottom line, he was telling me how one of his, um, <laughs> the guys he was discipling, came to him and said to him that pastor, he was a pastor, I, I think he's still a pastor, a pastor, <laughs> I want to see. And he says, oh, that's not a big deal because you know, sometimes when God has gifted you, you think everybody else should be able to operate in the gift that God has given you because you know you didn't earn it. You know it was, it was I mean, just grace. So you think, well, it's not a big deal. You can pray. So he began to pray for him. He says, hey, come, let's pray. That guy, that guy and he prayed. He said, he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And he says, yeah, open your eyes. What do you see? The guy says, I see you, pastor. <laughs> he says, ah, you know, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. He said, he said, Father, open his eyes. He sweated. He said, yeah, open your eyes. What do you see? The guy said, ah, Pastor, I see you. <laughs> he said, go, 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 go. It's all part of your destiny. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> you know, sometimes we try to force things. But you see, God has actually given you and I the ability to see with our minds at the least. And that imagination is a gift of God. The imagination that we have is a gift from God. Children are amazing dreamers. That's why children can play with anything. Give children two sticks. They will turn it into such a very interesting play. And it can be played for hours. Why? Because their imagination is sharp. And as adults, God expects us to have very sharp imaginations also. But we kind of lose it because of maybe the educational system. I don't know. Maybe failures of like realities of, of, of defeat maybe. But something goes wrong as we grow up. God will correct that in your life today in the name of Jesus. So your imagination, God wants to use your imagination. God wants to use your imagination to change your life. God wants to use your imagination. Um, Einstein said that imagination is more important than knowledge. 
And, and it's so true. Albert Einstein, I mean, if you don't know Einstein, you need to renew your imagination. <laughs> How was Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. But you see, the, the, if, and if you notice the trend of education today, is there's less and less emphasis on what you can cram. There's more and more emphasis on how you can create. The future belongs to the creative mind. You, the, the, how you can use your imagination will determine how wealthy you become. Not how much information you can actually memorize and cram. So without a dream, you are not actually living. You are just merely existing. If there's something that the enemy comes against, it's the dream of the individual. And dreaming is, 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 is so important. Because when you stop dreaming, you stop living. When you stop dreaming, when you stop dreaming, your life, the zest of your life goes. There's something the enemy tries to say, oh, what's the point? Oh, there's no need. Oh, you want to set yourself up for a... For a um, a heartbreak. You want to set yourself up for disappointment. Just uh, manage what you have. Oh, what's the point of, of, of counting the stars? You mean you are going to come out because pastor said you should come out and be counting stars. You two, you be counting stars like a, like a fool. The enemy will try to talk you out of dreaming. Because if he can talk you out of dreaming, he successfully talked you out of a brilliant future. You need to start dreaming again. And the dream, make sure there are no more small dreams. The nature of dream is, is, is very interesting. I mean, uh, we all know two major things about dream that, that you need to pay attention to this morning. And, and the first is this, that dream is free. To dream is free. It, it doesn't cost you anything to dream. Everybody can afford to dream. Everybody can afford to dream. You can say, oh, I don't have a dream because, I mean, it's too expensive. No, you can Everybody can afford to dream. It doesn't cost anything to dream. Absolutely nothing. Number two, everything that is now possible, that you see that is now possible, guess what, was at one time, impossible. Everything, everything today that you see that is possible, there was a time it was impossible. Everything. From the chairs you are sitting on, there was a time it was impossible. To the cars you are driving, there was a time it was impossible for man to drive. Did you, did you know that? To go at a certain speed. In fact, some people say that if, if man goes faster than the speed of a horse, that his intestine will come out. They, they are theorizing their failures. But today, you can't even imagine living a life without engaging a car. It was impossible to fly. It was impossible. Everything that is now possible today was once impossible. So what, what does that tell you? The things in your life that you think are impossible today will become possible tomorrow. They will become possible tomorrow if only you can dream it. You are where you are today because of what you saw yesterday. You will be where you will be tomorrow because of what you are seeing today. So if what you are seeing today is scary, you need to change it. You need to change it. You need to change it. You need to begin to dream big. One of the lies the enemy plays to us and to believers is that you will be content You've done a good job. You've done a good, lived a good life. Just, you know, rejoice. Just manage your life until, you, until death. Why not Caleb? Caleb was 85. And Caleb said, give me this mountain. I still have dreams to fulfill. Praise the name of the Lord. I still have territories to take. Remember the rich fool. The rich fool, God has blessed his land. It was prosperous. And he said, what's the point of dreaming? What's the point of worrying about the next harvest? What's the point of 
And we, they hide. Such people hide under the cloak of contentment. Relax. Enjoy. You are good. But God says you're a fool to him. You're a fool. Your life will begin to leave you from tonight. So life lives when dreams leave. Life comes to an end when dream, dreaming comes to an end. You could say, oh, I, I, I don't want to make too much money. Listen, who says the money you make is for you and your family? The money you make is not for you and your family. Oh, really? Who is it for? The money you make is for you to change the world. Think about it. How many shirts can a man wear? Okay, okay, you, you want, you want to, 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 to drive a Tesla. Fine, God blesses you. Boom, Tesla. How many Teslas can you drive in one day? Then you, you, you have wealth to buy 10 Teslas. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So sometimes because we don't understand the purpose of, of our greatness, we cut our dreams so short that we actually begin to lose life. We begin to, we begin to emaciate because when you stop dreaming, you stop living. And the important thing about life is that the life you change is more important than the money you make. So, so one person can make a fraction of what you are making. They are changing more lives than you are changing. They are more valuable to heaven than you are. The lives you change is way more important than the money you make. So the money you make is for changing the lives around you. So God expects you to dream big. And there are things in life that have the tendency of reducing our vision. Praise the name of the Lord. There are things in life that has the tendency of shrinking our imagination. There are things in life that have the tendencies of deflating our dreams. You know, when we imagine that something wants to bust our dreams, dream busters, do you know that we actually rise up against dream busters very effectively? If something comes, okay, the best way to put it is that if, if the enemy shows up with arms and, you know, with, as, as, you, know you, will, you will attack the, in the name of Jesus, right? You will fight with the, Destroy. So if I have a pin here, and let's say this is your dream, this is the bubble, you are in the, the dream, dream as a way of putting you in a bubble, right? You are in a place, you, you feel invincible. And you see a pin coming, what will you do? What will you, do? you fight the pin. You, you protect your dream. You, you shield your dream. But you see, the, the most dangerous where the enemy actually busts dreams, because they sometimes eventually get busted, is to deflate the dream. So, let's say this is a dream. It gets deflated. To deflate means it loses air. So, it goes, uh, don't fly away. It goes, and it gets deflated. Then the dream that used to be big and consumers begin to lose size. After a while, the dream becomes manageable. When your dreams become manageable, you have no need of heaven's supply. No need. No need. You can manage everything yourself now. You can, everything is under control. Under control. 
You have no need of the supernatural. No need of angelic assistance. You have no need of divine favor. You have no need of open heavens. The dream is under control. And there are dream deflators. And God is going to help us to defeat dream deflators today in the name of Jesus. You see, but the purpose of the enemy is he does not stop until the dream is gone. Sometimes you think, okay, if he reduces, he will be fine. The devil doesn't stop there. So that is why you must not give in. You must not lose any ground. Because conceding ground does not satisfy the enemy. His purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So until the dream keeps reducing, 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 and goes. And people are actually existing, but they are not living. Life is eroding them. So today, God is going to be defeating five potential dream deflators. And we are going to go jet speed fast. Are you ready? The first potential dream deflator that tries to deflate our dreams and make them small, try to make our big, gigantic dreams small until it's gone, it will shock you. But maybe not. It's family. It's family. It's family. The things that are closest to us affects us the most. The things that are closest to us affects us the most. Joseph had a dream, Genesis 37. Genesis 37, from verse 5. And Joseph had a big dream. But the people that attempted to deflate his dreams were, were who? His brothers. Verse 19 to 20, if you, if you skip to 19 to 20. It just go on. 19 and 20. Praise God. <laughs> There's no need to panic. It's in your notes. It's there. Just go on to 19 and 20. Okay, so what they were saying to Joseph was let's kill him. And we will see what will become of his dreams. And we will see what will become of, of his dreams. I heard, I mean, one of my friends has come here, I mean, before, was saying there was a time in his life that the enemy kept saying to him, he's useless, he's worthless, he will not amount to anything, not to become out of his life. After a while, he said, he said this, he asked, he asked to the enemy, who could leave me alone now? Maybe there's nothing that is... Why are you so interested in my... Listen, listen, listen. If it appears that the enemy is attacking you in your mind, telling you you are useless, telling you there's nothing that will come out of your life, it's an indicator, because the devil is a liar, that your future is great. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. It's a huge pointer. It's a huge pointer that... The future is great. Huge pointer. So if you're saying you're going to be nothing, you're going to amount to nothing, huge pointer to your prophetic destiny. Jesus also had to struggle with this. In Mark 6, Mark 6, 1 to 5. Jesus had to struggle with, with the fact that when he came to his, his own, Mark 6, we know you found it. Go to Mark 6. Mark 6. 
He says, Jesus left the path of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. Jesus was the homeboy. I mean, he was from his family. The next Sabbath, he was began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Why were they amazed? Were they amazed at God's power? Were they amazed at God's glory? They were amazed. They asked, where did he get this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they did what? They rejoiced that one of our own is becoming great. They scoffed. He's just a carpenter. They tried to deflate him. They tried to reduce Jesus' dream. They tried to reduce Jesus' vision. Why do you think they will not try to reduce your vision? Why are you so, why are you so, why are you so concerned that, oh, I thought we were family. Sorry, the job of the family is to try to reduce your vision sometimes. <laughs> Capital. Capital, that's all. What are you trying to say? The son of Mary. And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. They didn't even bother mentioning the sisters. And the sisters all live right here amongst us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Where did he get that? And Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere. Except where? And among his what? And his what? His own family. Stop trying to get your family to believe in your dreams. Listen, listen. Stop it. Stop it. You're not greater than Jesus. Says, Papa, if, if my family does not believe, if my family has to believe. No, they don't have to. At least, not now. Not yet. They will believe eventually. You know, the brothers of Jesus that they mentioned here, they all became saved eventually. But none of the brothers of Jesus gave their, followed him while he was alive. They all became Christians after Jesus resurrected. Your families only come to acknowledge your greatness after you have been glorified. You're taking your ideas to them. You're taking your brain. You're, you're, stop wasting your time. It's not going to work. Because they can look at you and say, ah, this one. Who cleaned your poo-poo when you were? Don't worry. So, don't, so what should you do? Just leave them. They will come. <laughs> when you resurrect. <laughs> they will come. But the point is this. <clears throat> Many people stay in that place and allow the families to deflate, 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 deflate on the time that it is totally irredeemable. So don't let their small minds deflate your big dreams. Don't. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Don't allow it. Sometimes also, family could be your, it could be your, it could be your spouse. It could be your wife. It could be your husband. You share a big vision with your spouse and they look at you. I say, is it on this same bed that we are sleeping? That's when your, your head is getting bigger. <laughs> and you are seeing vision. I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg. Let us hear a word. And you also could be in attitude and stuff. You have to be a big dreamer and not allow small minded people to hold you down. Let me give you an example. <laughs> I overheard this conversation. You know, I was, I was uh, jogging in the morning, one morning. And, you know, to show you how loudly the ladies that were also jogging were talking, you know, I couldn't help but hear that one of them was complaining that her husband came and <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, I don't listen to this conversation, but I just said that one. Maybe God wanted to give me an illustration for someone. <laughs> that she has upset him, and he came back, and obviously she's made dinner, and she expected him 
to be angry because that, the other one was telling her how her husband, when he gets angry, he won't eat. He said, ah, my own husband, when he gets angry, he will say, bring the food first. <laughs> she be, she be, you are my wife and you made this food. He will eat the food. Then we will continue the conversation. <laughs> I said, that guy is a big dreamer. <laughs> you know, you don't allow petty, petty things. Because your, your wife is, uh, you are, you're not going to eat. Uncle will finish you. <laughs> you have to see the big vision. That's the, the food. Who, who, who gave the money for the food? You, I hope you did. Otherwise, you shouldn't even be eating in the first place. <laughs> then they use your money to cook food for you. And because you are angry, you are not eating. It'd be a fight. And guess what, guess what, guess what, guess what? It's not only physical food, too. Sausage. There is, no, there is no argument that can take away sausage from the table between my wife and I. No argument. When it's time for sausage, we put the argument. We, we finish the sausage. We drink the water to cool it down. Then we continue. In fact, in fact, the argument gets resolved easier after sausage. I don't understand when couples will say, we are fighting, you face one side of the bed. What does that mean? You need to begin to dream big. <laughs> Dragon and Amen. Say to your neighbor, stop being petty, stop being petty, stop being petty, stop being petty. <laughs> so basically, family deflates your dreams because of familiarity. Look yourself in the mirror and say, no small dreams. No small dreams. No small <laughs> dreams. So the, the, the first dream deflator is what? It's family. The second is not far from, from them. Friends. Friends. There's a story in Mark 5. Mark 5. From 35 to 36. Jairus had, had gone to meet Jesus and said to Jesus, come and heal my daughter. And Jesus was coming. The woman with the issue of blood came, interrupted the whole process. Jesus had to delay because he needed to attend to who touched me and all that stuff. Then the friends of Jairus, people from his home, came and said, you know what? Don't worry. Your daughter is already dead. And when they said that, in verse 36, the Bible says that Jesus ignored them. Jesus ignored them. They are your friends, but they will bring facts to you. Was the daughter physically dead? The truth was yes. But you see, facts are meant to be changed by faith. So the fact that the economy is this is a fact, but your faith can change that economy, at least your own experience of the economy. Your faith can change it. But if you stay with what your friends are telling you, your friends will bring you facts. Well, your family decimates the dream and deflates the dream out of, out of what? Familiarity. Friends deflate the dream out of Reality. Out of reality. So you need to check your friends because you can't, like the old saying goes, be running with turkeys and expect to soar with eagles. It doesn't work. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of, nor stand in the way of, nor sit in the seat of, 
He chooses his friends. He chooses his friends. And that is so, so important. It's huge, unbelievably important. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see here that the first dream deflator is what? Family. The second dream deflator are friends. Are friends. They tell you as it is. Look, listen, listen. This is your score. You, you passed out with a 2-2. This job is for first class. You don't qualify. It is a fact. Just say thank you and move on because you are going to get the job. Anyway, praise the name of God. Family, friends, the third is, and this is so um, with us many times that sometimes we ignore it and it's taking too many people down and that is fatigue. That's fatigue. You're tired. You're just tired. We get so busy in the now, we don't even have the bandwidth to look ahead and plan for the future. Sometimes the truth is this. We are actually too tired to be creative. We are sometimes just too tired to be creative. We are way too tired to be creative. Our interest dwindles. We are tired. The vision shrinks. The, the balloon gets deflated. We settle for less than the best. We are tired. The story in 1 Kings 19, it is normal to be tired. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, I think it's 1 to 10 I, I put there, but I, I encourage you to read the whole of 1 Kings 19. Elijah had just dealt with the prophets of Baal, done great things for God. He was tired. Jezebel released a threat. Elijah... <laughs> His interest dwindled. He ran for his life. His vision shrunk. So much so, he gave up on his dreams. He said to God, kill me. Can you imagine that? How many times have we felt so low that we, that we said to God, maybe not in many, many words, what, what, what am I useful for here? Just kill me. We are fatigued. We are burnt out. We have, we have been battered. And you see, I love God's antidote for Elijah. In verse 5 to 7 of 1 Kings 19. It says, Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. <laughs> he looked around. And there were, beside his head, were some bread baked on hot stones, sizzling, and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. And he ate and slept. So what was God's remedy for fatigue? Sleep. And eat. Sleep and eat. That's all. Just sleep and eat. You're tired. It's okay. Sleep and eat. Sleep and eat. Just go and get some rest. Otherwise, you kill yourself. Go and rest. And you see, and when you go on a vacation, and when you go, when you go to rest, if you notice, if you notice, Elijah was not responsible for the food. Some people go on vacation and they carry stove. They carry stove. They say, carry kerosene. They say, ah, I, me, I can't buy food. Though. It's a waste of money. Let me save. Look, listen, 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 listen. Spend it and eat. God will provide. Call room service. It's not scriptural. 
responsible for his feeding. Somebody, let somebody else take care of that. Just sleep and eat. You see, that's why people go on vacation. They come back even more tired than they left. Because the reason is you are doing things that you have no business doing. God says, sleep and finish. Don't be under so much pressure to make decisions. When you're tired, you're tired. Just step back, back off. There's something they tell them in, uh, for those that have gone to Bible college, you know, they, they tell pastors that, that don't quit on Mondays. They tell them, you know why they tell them about Bible college? Because Mondays are the times pastor resides the most. <laughs> when I read that thing, I was like, wow. Do you know how many times, how many Mondays I, I wanted to resign? I, I'm sure you don't believe it because they're like, you, do you ever feel low? Yes, many Mondays I will say, I will get home. When I wake up, I say to God, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. Particularly sometimes when, you know, you're fasting, you're praying, you're laboring for people, and they give you some very nasty, crazy attitude. On Monday, you're flat out. I say, you know what? I can't kill myself. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot come and go and die. <laughs> There's a song. I will sing that song. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. I didn't sing it though. I didn't sing it. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> we we and we are under so much pressure. Do you know that when you are tired, you are under so much pressure to decide to make the decision. Something is pushing you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the devil. Tell him get out. I, I want to sleep. Get out of here. I want to sleep. When you wake up, the thing says you, I told you, resign, resign, resign. I want to eat. When you're eating, the thing says you, resign, hey, I want to sleep. When you wake up, talking, resign, Mm-mm-mm. I want to eat. By the time you sleep, eat, sleep, eat, sleep, eat, you'll be fired up again. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> Fatigue is a dream buster. And many times we just have to get rest. We just have to get rest. So, uh, number... How many did I say we are going to do? Five. Five. Good. Number four. So, number one, family. Number two, friends. Number four, three, (laughs) fatigue. And number four, failure. You see, sometimes failure deflates our big dreams. Many, sometimes people tell me, oh, pastor, I used to be a big dreamer. You know? I remember when, when I first started pastoring, and I was saying, oh, this and that and that. And one older pastor, hmm, said, I said, hmm, hmm, it's just the start. Big dreams. Say, so let me tell you, I used to dream all those things before. I, and I resolved in my heart, I will never be like them. I will always be dreaming. I will always be. When, when I said, oh, <laughs> we're going to start, I, I think maybe, how many people were in my house that day when we got some people pastor? Maybe 15 people? I don't know. You know, and I'm saying our vision is to be filled with the life of Christ Jesus and released into our destinies, taking the world for him. We don't even know where we're going to have church. <laughs> you are saying taking the world. What are you saying? We are going from hotel to hotel. Our vision is to be filled with the life of Christ Jesus and released into our destinies, taking the world for him. Let us even pay the next strength. For next week's service. And sometimes because we struggle to pay the current rent, 
we deflate our big dreams. We allow failure to deflate our dreams, to take air out of the balloon. We allow failure to say to us, you know what, just cut it to size. Cut it to a manageable size. I refuse to cut it to a manageable size. It will always be at the size where I need divine intervention. And that's why I always get divine intervention. In fact, there was something I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was, um, uh, there's no time to tell you this story. It's a long story. I'll tell you another time, another time, another time. So, so, <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes, let me tell you the story in the Bible. <laughs> in Joshua 7, <laughs> in Joshua 7, 1 to 10, you know, God was saying, the, the children of Israel, Joshua and the children of Israel, had defeated a lot of nations on their way before they got to where they were. And when they got there, you know, they, they went to AI, they chose 3,000 men, they were flatly defeated. Joshua, they, were, they failed. Joshua fell on his face and was saying to God, how, how will I stand before the people? What will I say when the people begin to turn their backs on the enemy? And God said to Joshua, get up and correct the problem. You see, when you're facing a failure situation, the answer is not to cut your dream to size. The answer is to get up and correct the problem. Something is wrong. Get up and correct it. And Joshua got up and corrected it. You know the story. And God is saying to you today, this morning, get up and correct the problem. Get up and correct it. Why are you crying? Get up and correct it. Get up and correct it. Just get up and correct it. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you crying? Why are you on your face? Get up. Just get up. Oh, yes, you've, you've done that business. It's, it's crashed. Okay, fine. You've been crying. Get up. Unfortunately, sometimes it's a marriage situation. It's not working out. Excuse me. Get up. That's what the Bible says. Get up. Just get up. You see, because the truth is this. The things of our life does not, the failures does not terminate our, our story. Failure is not final unless you choose it to be. It's not, it's up to you. What is, what is it going to be? It's not final. So, and if you look at the, the second thing from this story, if you look at Joshua's story and, and the children of Israel, they were in the midst of God's will. Joshua was, was in, it wasn't out of God's will. So often in our dreams, in our dreams, often in our dreams, you may be doing the right thing, but you are doing it in a wrong way. God wanted the whole army to go and fight Ai, even though Ai was small. But Joshua, because of you know overconfidence or whatever, I listened to to the elders, chose three thousand people. So sometimes you are doing the right thing in the wrong way, and that's why it's not working. We build our lives on. Stepping back, re-strategizing, and building on our hopes. We don't build our lives on our hurts. If you build your life on your hurts, you're heading for disaster. You build your life on, on your what? On your hopes. On your hopes. Some man called Thomas Jefferson said, <laughs> says, I am much more interested in the dreams of the future than reviewing the history of the past. Some people are so hung up on, on reviewing the past. It's okay to review the past. Maybe 2% of your time, my time, maybe 5%. I am so hung up in the dreams of the future. They're saying uh, uh, in 1957, uh, uh, they built a bungalow in my village. That is why we have not been able to build a story building. Who cares? Who cares? You see, I'm about to tell you a huge secret this morning. You have never heard this before. Never. I can assure you. It's a huge secret. Are you ready for it? And, you know, when you leave this place, this secret is going to make a huge difference in your life. Because not many people have heard it before. In fact, it is so 
new, that is fresh from heaven. And this is the secret, big secret, huge. Your past is over. It's gone. That's why they call it past. Everybody say past. Yes, it happened. But you're not going to be defined by that. It's gone. Lift up your head and look into a bright future. No small dreams. So we see the dream deflators of family, of friends, of fatigue, of failure, and they all come together in, in this final one, a dream deflator of fear. In Numbers 13, from verse 1 to 30, 12 spies, 10 spies, 10 or 12, 12 spies sent to check the land. 10 came back and said, no show, we are dead. They're going to finish us. We are afraid. And, and, and two said, no, 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 no. God wanted them to go to the land and see how big it is. And see how beautiful it is. Meanwhile, they came back, they said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's big, but there's a, there's a, there's a problem. There are giants in the land. God, why didn't God tell them there were giants in the land? Oh, God didn't know there were giants in the land. The giants were hiding when God came to see the land. God knew there were giants in the land. So why didn't God tell them there were giants in the land? Why? Many times, we confuse the dreaming stage and dreaming phase with the building phase. The dreaming phase is for, for dreaming. It's not the building phase. Ask any builder, architect, whoever is involved in any form of building. When you are designing a building or a project or an estate or an infrastructure, you should only focus on what is possible. And by the time it is done, no matter how realistic you want to be, by the time you begin to implement, it is never as planned. You are going to meet roadblocks. You are going to meet challenges. You are going to have to navigate different waters. So don't try to think up creative ideas and evaluate them at the same time. If you do, you will kill your creativity. Don't try and think up of, on, 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 on the big dream and at the same time you are worrying on how. When you are thinking of the big dream, don't forget about the how. That's how big thinkers think. When you are thinking on, on the promised land, you focus on the milk and honey. You forget about the giants. Why do you forget about the giants? Because the giants are irrelevant. They are meat for you. If you can get the, the fire of the dream in your system, <laughs> every great idea has problems. But if you focus on the problem at the time of dreaming, you will never dream big enough. You focus on the dream and you ignore the problem. Say, but Pastor, is that not um, being um, um, unrealistic? <laughs> exactly. Dreamers are unrealistic. Dreamers are unrealistic. At the, at the dreaming phase, they are unrealistic. Did God show Joseph that he was going to be in prison? Did God show him that he was going to be Potiphar's house, being, doing houseboy? God just showed him he was going to be prime minister. That is all he needed to see. You see, many times we want to see too many details. They are irrelevant. Just focus on the, on, the, on the big picture. Focus on the dream. At least in the dreaming stage. So, fair feeds 
on dream deflating voices of family, of friends, of fatigue, and of failure. Fear feeds on them. Sometimes it's so strong that when you want to move, you are hearing your uncle or your dad or your mother that has told you some hurtful words and it becomes a filter in your life and fear just holds you down. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that fear will be broken today in the mighty name of Jesus. It becomes a problem. It becomes a problem. In Genesis 13, verse 14, Genesis 13, 14, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, look as far as you can see in every direction, not south, east, west. I am giving you, I'm giving all this land as far as you can see. After Lot, the voice, deflating voice, Family, lot is gone. After deflating voice, friends, lot gone. Deflating voice, fatigue, lot gone. Deflating voice, failure, lot gone. After lot is gone. When Caleb and Joshua stood before Moses and said, We are able to go up and take this mountain, we are able to take the land. They knew they were giants in the land. But you see, if God is on your side, the giants are irrelevant. If God is on your side, the giants are absolutely irrelevant. So you need to sing to yourself and say to yourself, I am able to go up and take the mountain. Dober. I am on our way to God will surely give us victory. I am able, I am able to go up and take the mountains and possess the land from Jordan to the our hearts as we, as we bow our heads and take the mountain and possess the land I want you to use your mind's eye and see that you are able to go up and take this mountain that you are able to possess the land from Jordan to the seas because God will give you victory and I want to pray with you if you are here today you cannot say God is on your side you cannot say that you're a child of God. You cannot say, if God be for me, who can stand against me? But you, you want us to pray together. You want to walk out of this place today with the assurance that God is your God, that Jehovah is your God. They're like, Pastor, can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I'll pray with you wherever you're seated. That is me, Pastor. That is me. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly. If you put up your hand, put up your hand well. Shoot it up over your head. I will pray together. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Another hand over there. Keep your hands up. Another hand over there. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. Another hand over there. You want to walk out of this place. Another hand right there at the back. God bless you. Another hand over there. That is me. That is me. That is me. Shoot the hands up. God bless you. Another hand over there. Once you have the card, you can put on your hand. You're saying... Pastor, pray with me. I want to pray with you that I will walk out of this place with Jehovah as my personal God, as my Father and my God. Oh, Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you breathe upon this life and change them totally. My Father, reveal your life to them. Reveal yourself to them. Let your name and your name alone be glorified. Lord, we pray for everyone in this place, my Father. No small dreams in the mighty name of Jesus.
Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's pray together for the Lord Jesus. For his kindness and his mercy.